content online that's a little negative these days, especially for people who are in the middle of Gen Z and the millennials regarding marriage. Everyone seems to be a little like gloomy about it and not too optimistic these days. And there's a new study that I think highlights just that. Uh, people who are from the Gen Z and the millennial era, well, they're saying two out of five of them at least that marriage is an old tradition and it's outdated, which is not what I want to hear. I mean, let's just be honest, right? The rest of us are want to be optimistic. We want to sit there and find someone who we truly do love and spend the rest of our lives with. But it just seems like in this new era of social media and, and everything else that goes on in this crazy world, it seems like it's hard to find. But I have some hope for you guys. My very two favorite people, David and Stacey White, to join us now to discuss. David and Stacey. I wanted to bring you guys on to discuss this. Be a little optimistic here. You guys are 31 years into this marriage. And that's something that a lot of people in my generation are just kind of thinking that it's unrealistic. But you guys are here to tell us that it's not. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you so much for having us. You know, it's really interesting because I was actually reading through that article as well. And something that really jumped out at me is they did say they believe that the traditional marriage uh, was shifting. But 83% of participants in that survey still want to get married at some point. So I'm like, so I really do believe there is hope. People do want to have kind of that, maybe that fairy tale, what they read about, the stories they've seen, the hallmarks they've watched. You know, they (laughs) want that, you know, in their life. And I will say this, after 31 years of marriage, it is definitely possible and it is on purpose. It's not a, oh, just the stars lined up properly and that's how it came out. It is intentionally done and it can be done. And there's been some interesting statistics that we found that actually are counteracting what most of us have thought we knew over the last few years of what marriage actually looks like. Uh, you know, the one of the things I would say is we're, we're so influenced by, you know, media, um, if you've ever watched a movie of any kind or a sitcom or going back to the Beverly Hillbillies or I don't care how far back you want to go, the rich person's always the bad person. Always the villain. You know, I don't care if yeah. it's a Mar- it's a Marvel mo- the, the movie. It's like the billionaire is always the evil villain. If you watch Titanic, you know, Jack is the broke guy who didn't even buy his ticket to get on the, the plane. If he wanted to have fun, he had to go to the bottom of the boat with all the broke people and the wealthy people were awful and no fun. And it's like, that's not like a statistically true thing. It's not like if if you're uh, you know paycheck to paycheck or you're barely getting by that you're going to be more honest. That you're a, a high quality person. That your morals are higher. Like that you ha- that you that you're more fun to be around. But like those are the images that are put. Yep. There's no references out there of any movie that has a financially successful person being a good person. Um, that's always something they're overcoming. So we know that's not true, but that's the image that's mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of these things that we accept as being the deal. For one, every every grocery store aisle you go through has the celebrities that are currently breaking up. They're on marriage six or seven, and so those things kind of become in our mind of like what is real in society. But it, but it's it's not. Some of these statistics, matter of fact, on a quote from a book that we came across recently, um, um, called "The Good News About Marriage." Uh, debunking discouraging myths about marriage and divorce, and th- these people went through and they studied uh, uh, Bureau of Labor, uh, Bureau uh, Census Bureau statistics, and and every different form of marriages. And a lot of these these uh, like statistical myths that that we think of, like like number one, the divorce rate for society as a whole is fifty percent. 
Um, everybody thinks, well, at least all half of all marriages end in divorce, and and they don't. Those are that was encouraging because when David yeah. told me that, I thought that's what we've all been told. Everyone's yeah. been said, but, but that's not a true statistic. And, they, and then when they they tried to find any receipts and source data for that. They, the only thing that they could could find was studies that only da- that only uh, quoted teenage marriages, and 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 uh, you know uh, more shotgun kind of kind of marriages, you know, and it, like that's not marriages as a whole. That's the only place they could come up with that fifty percent statistics. And 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 in the book they go through it a breakdown. It's really closer first time marriages to about a twenty five percent divorce rate. Wow. Which, which isn't encouraging because everybody walks down the aisle thinking this one's going to last forever. So to think a 25% you know, failure rate, but a 75% success rate is much more encouraging than a 50-50 crapshoot mm-hmm. you know, on, yeah. on marriages. So that's just that's just one category. But I want to go back to what Stacy said. We came into our marriage, her family, great uh, track record, you know, parents, grandparents, all this kind of stuff. I came into it sort of as a hot mess. I was the youngest of six kids. With the five older than me, I think there's about 12 marriages at this point. And your parents were divorced. And my parents went through divorce. And like, and they're all incredible people. There's not an alcoholic, not a drug addict. not There's no, there, there's no other reason other than just poor systems. And so me yeah. being the youngest, I kind of really looked at that and grabbed mm-hmm. a hold of it. Like, what were they doing, you know, that made this not work? And yeah. I, I, my my... I'm I'm convinced now at this point after after you know decades of of marriage that it's much more like you build in you move into a new home you know that's a uh, custom build you know sod and everything in there it looks great coming in no matter who you are what you believe what you think if you're funny or not or whatever if you don't water that grass it's going to die mm-hmm. it's not personal it just consistently and you may say oh this really stinks the grass is dead I'm going to move to a new home with green grass and it's like what's well, going to be just as dead as the last one if you don't water it. And there's there's specific things that people have green grass and that their shrubs live. There's specific things that they do that people who don't. It's not personal, mm-hmm. and and it's very predictable. And if people can grab a hold of key factors in their marriage, is very fulfilling. You're going to make more money. You're going to have more joy. You're not having just. I mean, it's not romantic, but the financial setback of losing half your stuff and starting over every few years, you know, it's just, it's not a good financial, not let alone the emotional toll. Yeah. The emotional toll of going to work each day. And like, you're Mm -hmm. kind of limping into it because where you're coming from, I can't speak for women, but as a man, when I walk out of the door to go do something, my strength is like the, 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 the the plant, you know, the, the pot it's growing out of, is from my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's not one other thing I'm doing in addition to it. We started a bunch of companies. We've done lots of things in our life. We've done missions work. We've lived in Mexico. We've done a lot of, of things. And people will say, well, how do you keep your marriage up with all these other things? And I'm like, I'm able to do all these other things as an as as a as an overgrowth from my marriage. When I walk mm-hmm. out of the door with the feel of her kiss on my cheek, it's like, oh my gosh. Bring it on. I'm 10 feet tall and I can take on the world. And so it's because of the strength of our marriage, I can do other things. And so I think it's the number one first best thing to invest in, not children, not your home, not business, not anything else, is this. And then from that, we raised our kids. Mm-hmm. From this, we built business. From this, we've started a podcast. From this, we do mm-hmm. we do everything. Not this is one more thing. I try to keep that ball in the air juggling. This is the thing. You know, and it goes yeah. back to, and I'll throw it back to you, Brianna. I just wanted to add on to, to what David's saying, but it co- does come back to you have to question why would the statistics be saying, or or what I guess they've been trying to make us believe. Why is it that way? And I really do believe it goes back to a breakdown of the family, 
of depopulation of all of these different issues that they are trying to do um, in our country and in our world. That's why I think all of these lies have come out about marriage and the family. Yeah, I think that's really important, Stacey, because honestly, everywhere I look, you constantly see the normalization of a two-parent household, but uh, two separate parent households. So you mm -hmm. see, you know, the parents shuffling on weekends, their kids back and forth. And that's not the life that I grew up knowing. And so for me, it's quite strange. But for so many people, they've just kind of adapted and accepted that as the new norm. Um, David, you, you spoke about growing up in a house where uh, your parents were divorced and separated. Mm -hmm. Uh, what kind of changes did you make to yourself and, you know, heading into your marriage, gosh, specifically to make sure that that wasn't going to be your destiny? Because that's mm -hmm. a really hard uh, statistic to overcome. Yeah, it was. I didn't want it to be my normal. And it was an advantage being the youngest of the six because I was kind of, you know, looking at all of that. And and for one, we just I just decided early the things that helped me get Stacy to start with because there was a lot of competition in the marketplace, you know, uh, it, 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 the, the things that made her say yes to me and choose me, I wanted to keep those going after marriage. You know, it wasn't like marriage. Okay, do I got it. Boom. It, it's I, 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 a mentor say one time, there was a group of young guys. This was a business meeting and we were talking outside of, you know, of a, a, a formal environment. And, and he goes, he goes, he goes, guys, he goes, you know the best time to treat your wife like a queen, to bring her flowers, to buy her gifts? You know the best time to do that? And everyone's like, no, when? He goes, before someone else does. <laughs> yeah. And it's That's like, it's kind of funny, but it's good. Like everything that helped me get into the game, I kept up to stay in the game. Like I treated marriage like Tom Brady treated football. You know, it's like, it was a mm -hmm. priority in my life to keep this strong. I wanted to treat her so good that if she ever did leave me and she was with someone else, like after a few weeks, that guy would bring her back and say, dude, I can't keep it up. Please take her back. This is too much work. The bar is too high. I can't keep it up, please. I didn't, I had no idea what I was getting into. Like, you know, that it was that kind of a, of a priority, you know, the way you would treat anything that's the most valuable thing that you possess. I like that. I like that. Stacy. so many women, myself included, when we're out here dating, we're, we've got our little checklist, but it's not working out for all of us. So what were some of your must-haves in a husband? And what would you recommend for those uh, young women who are looking for a significant other long-term? I would definitely say writing down your list, because for me, it might be different than it is for someone else, but do have things that you uh, are really looking for that are the most important um, in the person that you're looking for. But then it also, at the same time, be realistic as to what is actually possible. I saw, you know, an interview with some young ladies that were talking about what they wanted uh, their future husband to be making financially. These girls were in their 30s, and these girls were saying, you know, a half a million dollars, 750,000, 250,000. They're like, do you even know what the average income is? You know, so obviously being realistic with where you are at this time, but saying these things are extremely important to me and these are non-negotiable. I think that's probably the most important thing that a woman should do in looking for a future relationship. Yeah. And I'd say both of them, you're, you're, you're betting somewhat on the trajectory. You're not marrying the final result. And yes. so being the best you can and then coming together and say, what can we build together? And that's why things like character, honesty, integrity, you know, you're, you're basing on that, the, the moral compasses and you can build the incomes. Mm -hmm. You can build those things together. Like an NFL team drafting a player, they want him to have done good in college, but they're not thinking that's where it ends. You're, you're coming mm -hmm. into it. Now we're going to even go better together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause there was another study that said that Gen Z and millennials felt like 
uh, 73% of them felt like it's just too expensive to get married nowadays. And I don't think people understand, you know, when my parents met, my, my dad didn't have much and my mom kind of just had trust that this was going to work out and it was going to be great for her and her future. And she ran with it. Um, but not many people do that nowadays. And I think it's kind of strange how everyone, like you said, Stacy, they want like such a high bar. Like when I talk to my girlfriends and they're like, yeah, I want my man making a quarter of a million dollars. And I'm just like, that is not realistic. I think it's like no. like less than 1% of men in their 30s are making over six figures right now, like over $100,000 I think was the last time I looked. So it's just not realistic to have that mindset going into it. But like you just said, it's important to kind of be optimistic and kind of come up with a financial plan, plan for you both to do together. Yes. It's opt- optimistically, it's it's endless if you, if you guys could team up and become a partnership. And that's so important. Um, when it comes to creating a partnership and finding someone who you could open up businesses with and start long term with, what are some of your suggestions when looking for someone to do just that? Because uh, I think it's important the two of you obviously share the same religious beliefs and you guys have the same morals and, and all of those other things. But what else played um, a role in into kind of settling down and figuring if this is going to work for you? I think the communication was the key to that, being able to talk yeah. to each other, writing down goals, kind of having common goals with each other, and then working together to make that happen. You're right, though. God is the center of it. And I remember David's dad. It was really powerful. I remember having that conversation. He said, if God, if you like, can imagine almost a, a triangle, God's at the top and you have each individual person on the side and you're going towards that common goal, you're going to eventually become closer because you're going towards the same goal. And that's how it works when we made goals for business, for family, each one of those aspects of our life. When we did that and we were both going towards the same goals, we ultimately grew together. One of the statistics that that's a myth that's kind of broken down in that book is that the divorce rate in the church is the same as as it is outside. And that that's based on studies of, of what is your religious belief? Like, do you believe in God or not? Well, with that criteria, it's a 50-50. But it, when they when they do the exact same study based on church attendance, people who have the humility to say, man, I'm tired on Sunday, but I'm actually going to go, and they have that kind of mentorship in their life, they have that voice structure in there, there it's a minuscule amount. It's even less than the 25% as a whole. It's far less than 50%, but that's based on church attendance, not believing that there's a God. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the actual behavior, the pattern, and the accountability, the friendships, the community that comes from church attendance increases the success rate of a marriage as well, not just a belief that you have and you put it on the shelf. And so there, there's, there's a lot of statistics like that that, that kind of are misleading mm-hmm. that people say the divorce rate in the church is the same as not. And again, that also is, is a myth. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, David and Stacey, you guys have a podcast, which obviously I'm a big fan of mainly because I'm on once a week, but all the time. (laughs) (laughs) you guys host the great podcast flyover conservatives. And it's one of the top, I was actually, I was going through a list of all of the top conservative podcasts and you guys placed top 20, which was amazing. I think you guys were like 15 or 14 in the list. It's because we have good guests. It's because yeah, I would say there's a weekly segment every every uh, week that <laughs> might be one of the greatest. I don't know. I'm a little biased here, but David and Stacey, your your podcast is amazing because mine's very you know we're covering the news and it could be a little bit down sometimes, but you guys are very optimistic all of the time and you guys have some great content. What are you guys working on now, and what can our audience look forward to when they're uh, tuning into the Flyover Conservative podcast? 
You can find us on flyoverconservatives.com. And we truly are. We're always looking for the truth. That is the most important part. Um, using discernment during this time because, you know, we're 320 some days from the election. This could be a crazy year in 2024. So obviously finding the truth, but always having hope. Because God told us when we started our podcast, He said, if you ever feel hopeless, you've somewhere along the line, you've believed a lie because you've taken God out of the equation. And so if, if you ever in your life are feeling hopeless, it means God was taken out of the equation because he always brings hope and he always brings answers. And not, not even just a false hope and like, I wish things were better. Like like truly, there there are, even the worst moments during COVID, there were a lot of doctors that were censored that had great plans of action mm-hmm. that would keep you healthy, keep you out of the hospital. And so yeah. there's, there's always good things. You just have to kind of take ownership of that information. That's what we really try to highlight on the show. Yeah, that's important. And that's something our audience desperately wants because there's not many uh, media outlets that they could turn to for that. So that's always a plus in our eyes. David and Stacey Whited, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, guys, the, the podcast is flyoverconservatives.com. That's where you guys catch it. You guys can find them on all the popular platforms. Uh, I love watching you guys on Rumble. So thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to joining you guys later on this week. Hey everyone, I'm getting ready to head out right now, but before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you wanna see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.